This is the Dive Bomb Squadcast, presented by Dive Bomb Industries. Well, hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Dive Bomb Squadcast. You've probably already noticed in the first three or four seconds here that this isn't the soothing southern voice of the one and only Asher Tolliver. In fact, this is Forrest Carpenter. Uh, We're going to be doing some fun stuff here over the next few weeks. We're basically shipping the podcast equipment all around the country, and you're going to be hearing a little bit from me, a little bit from Kyle, a little bit from Cade, uh, and and it's going to be kind of fun because we're going to mix things up. I know all of us have all sorts of different things we've wanted to talk about or cover in the past and one that I have really wanted to touch on for a while is just photography in general but uh, mainly waterfowl photography we get questions about this stuff all the time so I figured who better to invite on here than the one and only Doug Steinke who is one of my idols uh, behind a camera and one of the guys I really look up to on a daily basis when I uh, look for inspiration Dave or uh, Try this again. <laughs> hey, Doug, how you doing today? Did you almost call me Dave? I called you Dave. I know. It was really Your awkward. Brother, that is my brother's name, and you would be surprised how many people don't know me that call me Dave. And I'm like, no, this is incredible. Yeah, because, yeah, my brother Dave was the uh, pretty boy in college. He knew everybody. He can still go back to the University of Nebraska in a local bar, and he'll know 50 people. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Oh, yeah. He's... Yeah, I I got all the hunting talents, and he's Mr. Metrosexual and knows everybody. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. Well, how are you, man? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. A little <laughs> tired. I I know. Uh, it sounds like uh, you know we talked just a little bit beforehand. It sounds like you and I have had a pretty similar day with about uh, a whole lot of driving uh, in search of ducks. Yeah, yeah. We went we went hunting this morning, and one of our traditional great spots this time of year and we didn't see a duck by like 10 o'clock and then we're like man let's just go drive we put about 300 miles on the van today and man it was it was tough i mean it's just and everybody's having tough you know it's just the traditional what we you know this time of year the warm water stuff just is not producing and you're almost back to late october early november tactics you know big water you know it's just crazy. It's yeah. It's just one of those seasons. Makes it tough, you know. I feel like uh, all the early season stuff is really great for a couple weeks, and then once they've seen it, I think all of us are ready for things to get cold, push birds to the moving water, or the warm water, and you know, get to show them a little something different. And without getting to do that, it's starting to feel like January in a hurry. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's just, it's just rough, and uh, <laughs> yeah, everybody's commiserating with with each other i mean there's still guys who are still shooting birds who have good spots and can be you know manage the birds and things like that but yeah if you're hunting public or marginal stuff it's it's a rough year that's that's the truth and for those of you who don't know doug is from grand island nebraska uh, he is a man of many talents he's a father a huge fisherman uh, very very talented with that all the fly fishing uh, you do a bunch of uh, wiper fishing still yes i do in fact yeah. i'm setting in my fly fishing kind room right now which is an absolute mess would you happen to have that little uh, yoda bobblehead with you 
Uh, it is in the van. I put it in the van for good luck. Always and, uh, ready to go. I like it. It's all ready to go. Yes, he's he's setting in the front of the van as we speak. He's in there. But, Apparently, yeah. the the force wasn't with him today, though. <laughs> no, it I almost thought about wiper fishing today. It was <laughs> warm yes. enough, I'm sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, to to continue just a little bit, obviously being from Nebraska, big time big red fan. I'm guessing, right? Yeah. Yeah, at least we have volleyball and women's volleyball. That's or right. Women's basketball, but everything else is yeah through rough. the through the good times and the bad. Um, That's right. But but more so, just to to touch on your photography resume, uh, I think I think we decided you were somewhere in the ballpark of 350 photos published in just Ducks Unlimited mag- magazine, along with numerous two-page spreads, which for those of you who aren't familiar, that's uh, that's kind of a big deal, and lots of covers as well for, oh gosh, Ducks Unlimited, Wildfowl, Shooting Sportsman, Nebraska Land, I mean, who, who am I missing? I don't know. I, I haven't got a cover in Ducks Unlimited. Oh, you haven't? I haven't. No. I th- I'm sorry. I thought I saw I, one on there. No, but I have been, it has been down to my photo and someone else's photo. In fact, I have probably three mock-ups of cover photos in Ducks Unlimited that someone there has sent me and said, hey, we're thinking about running this. And I always, I think t- two of those three times I lost out to Scott Moody. Uh, I mean, so it, it was, I mean, actually, actually have the mock-ups of them, and I'm like, oh, wow, that's that's like the, yeah, the Super no. Bowl champion stuff that gets sent off to uh, poor countries, right? It is. So, but yeah, I sort of like what I tell them. I said, uh, I'd rather have the yard per carry average than the uh, <laughs> scoring touchdowns. So yeah, it's this. I don't know. It, I probably there's probably one of those sitting on my hard drive somewhere. It's just a matter of finding the right one. But yeah. I've been lucky enough to get some other covers, you know, with Wildfowl and Shooting Sportsman and Brassland and things like that. But yeah, it's yeah, it's been weird. But with the phone now, you know, I was more everything I would shoot. I just got a, a landscape mindset switch. You know, two pages that you were talking about. I've got a bunch of those two pagers, but actually, just starting to you know to do more Snapchats or even stories on Instagram has started me thinking more in a portrait type of orientation anymore. So yeah. So you know, I, yeah. It's, it's, I know I got a cover in there somewhere, but yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It'll, it'll come. It's, it's funny you mentioned <laughs> yeah. that that's one of those things that, that I've had to, to fight with for a while, you know, and I never really even thought about it, especially when you're hunting, taking a, a, a portrait uh, yeah. picture, especially of birds or, or something like that, because it just, it just doesn't feel right. I'm, I'm with you. I feel I, like landscape just just feels yeah. like a picture. You know, everything else feels like an Instagram story. But, you know, it's it's funny. You, you start turning a portrait and, you know, you burn through enough SD cards and eventually you start to kind of find a couple that go, hey, that's that's actually kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. That's, I've, yeah I know I've, yeah, I look at my portrait game. Yeah, I know my overall portrait game is really advanced in the last three or four years. But, yeah. But yeah. yeah, it's it's tough to start thinking in that type of aspect or that that ratio or whatever you would call. It. But yeah, it's weird. Yeah, I've been I've been following along some of the pictures you've taken uh, for the football stuff with the the overhead lighting and uh, yeah. What is that that you're using to to get that uh, kind of textured effect in there? Is that flower or something like that? That's oh that's blowing yes. up in there. 
Uh, it is. Okay, so there's a guy named Kevin Wenzel. And, uh, or Winslet, Wenzel, Winslet. Anyway, he, if you go back on the internet and look, he did the Hall of Fame football photos for the University of Utah. And what he did is he used, I don't think it's talcum powder, but basically what you use for gymnastics or what you would put on a weightlifting bar. And, uh, and so you grind that up really, really fine. And it, if you have an environment that has no wind or no air, it is really super cool because you can just run anybody through it and you can actually see the air drafts around that person. So I've done that with my, with my two boys. Um, my youngest one is just now graduating high school, but we did that with him. Yeah, it just keeps getting better and better. It's a mess. It's a it's a one two three. It's a four person deal. I mean, it, you need two people to. It took a while. I mean, I drove my family crazy trying to get that photo, you know, as as good as I could, and yeah, trying to perfect it was because I reverse engineered everything. I just saw what they were doing, and without calling Kevin or anything, I just tried to reverse engineer it. And God, I wish I just would have called him. Would have saved a month and a half of pain and struggle, but it was fun. But it's like anything else. You, you figured out how to do it. And now I can pretty much replicate it on, on command. So yeah, that's awesome. But yeah, it's fun, but it's just all part of the, you know, with two boys graduating, I, I was asked to do a lot of senior photos and I finally started doing more and more, but yeah, like anything else, like the portrait game, man, I, I, I think I'm really, it's fun. It's like anything new. It's like, it's like a, a mallard guy trying to figure out how to shoot divers. You know, it's just, yeah. it's just completely different. Everything is new and it's fun. And I, I bought a bunch of pro photo strobes and gosh, it's just been so fun to play with them. Yeah. And it's kind of what I do in the off season now. It, it really is. That's awesome. kind of filled in. Yeah. Filled in an open gap from April to October. Yeah, and I mean, you you get to take some pictures when you're out fishing and and do stuff mm-hmm. like that as well. But you know, to to be yeah. able to find another environment to be able to use your cameras, pretty neat. And you know, yeah. for for those of you who haven't gone and checked out Doug's photography, you absolutely have to do it. Head over to Instagram and and check out his page. Uh, but in my opinion, Doug, you capture emotion and feeling and tell a story with pictures better than anyone I know and that is why you are one of my if not my favorite photographer out there yeah well thanks yeah I'm blushing but yeah thanks for telling me that <laughs> I remember yeah <laughs> and I, I don't yeah I, I think you remember when we first saw each other face to face for the first time was at that fly fishing festival and was a boulder yes the people's republic good gosh yeah well my brother was there you know the famous brother so it was awesome because it's starting to make sense now yeah when you and joe when you and joe came up and said hi i after you guys left i looked at my brother and i said well now you know how i feel or when you know whenever we go somewhere (laughs) and everybody knows you (laughs) he was just so excited to yeah to see that there but yeah uh but yeah, just capturing, I don't know. I've just always had that knack and yeah. And it's, I think it's something, I know it's a niche that I have and I, it's one of those things I, I embarrassingly just know it. I can see it. And I don't know if that's because I've been a dad and you'll see that after, you know, little forest gets older and you start seeing all these things, but 
yeah, it's just all these little things that I seem to be able to capture that someone else doesn't see. And it's just been that way. You know, I'm I sure, can't explain it. I'm sure part of it is just a natural knack, but I truly feel like you don't give yourself enough credit too with the areas that you're involved in photography. You're not just someone who dabbles in this or dabbles in that. Everything that I've seen you post a picture of is something that you've been deeply passionate about, whether it's waterfowling or fishing or your boys, um, mm-hmm. you know, even just taking on new challenges. I mean, it's, it's apparent with those, uh, just the football pictures, you know, that, that you're you're really invested in that. And that's, that's pretty cool. And I feel like that's something that I wish I saw more out of uh, new photographers. I feel like a lot of people these days are, you know, buying a camera and, and don't get me wrong. I'm just thrilled that people are picking up cameras and learning mm-hmm. the art of photography. But I feel like a lot of people yeah. kind of miss the whole point when they don't really find a field that they're passionate about when they just start taking pictures to take pictures and not trying to capture the story. Yeah, I think I think a lot of that comes with, especially like for waterfowling, it was so, it, it's, you know, it, it's OG, right? It's like Chose or yeah. someone like that. And so we've talked about that a little bit where I have friends that no one's ever heard about, you know, back in the nineties and uh, I do this old, old guy radio here now, but <laughs> It's tough to, we were so consumed with it back then that just like kids are today, but there was no outlet, you know, there was no, no way to let anybody know what we were doing or how we were doing it or anything like that. And it's always just so consumed by waterfowling back then. And, and I think it's, I think, I think it's just been a nice, a nice or a happy coincidence that a lot of my stuff that I'm taking now, like a lot of my photography started in a, in the mid 2000s, maybe 2004 to 2008. That's when I really started picking up the camera and really going off after it. And by that time, I had pretty much burned through my smash em phase, you know. It, I, I had been, I back then it was a score, you know. Yep. You, you wanted to accumulate as many you wanted to shoot as many as you could, as fast as you could, and you wanted to boast about everything. And I was just coming out of that phase where I'm like, dudes, <laughs> man, I just want some birds. I want some friends. And numbers just, I don't care. <laughs> just, you know, and I think that led me into taking the photos that I did because I, it, it makes a person, you're not so consumed with the get. You know, I've, I've told people that before. I think people are so consumed with the get and uh, doing air quotes or air bunnies. Everybody's after that limit. Everybody's after that, you know, pile photo, which is awesome because I went through that. It's just that no one's seen it. Yeah. yeah <laughs> that, no that, was my, that was my 90s and early aughts. Yeah. I, I, there was 15 years where I'm whack them and stack them and try to get as many as I could. Yeah. And, and, I, and I was, yeah, I just had become burned out and the camera allowed me to just explore that whole other setback and, and see things happen. And you knew things were going to happen before they did. And yeah, those were just super cool times. And 
you know, around 2010 to 2013, I just really came into that prime of just being able to, to, to identify those things and know what's going to happen and, you know, yeah, try to capture the hunt. Yeah. Get get the big photo. Yeah. Take a Terry. Sense. Yeah. Take a Terry Redland photo. That, That's what oh I was my, trying to do. There you go. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, gosh. And and you, you touched on one thing that I definitely want to come back to here in just a little while, and that's, you know, the different phases of being a hunter. Yeah. Uh, because obviously mm-hmm. we all go through that, you know, whether, uh, you know, whether you're, you're fresh into it and you just want to shoot your gun or you're finally starting to get the hang of it. And now you're just you've got bloodlust. Uh, yeah. Everybody gets that way. And, and then you, you eventually get tired of it, move out of it and so on mm-hmm. and so forth. And, and, you know, it's I feel like it's in those latter stages of hunting that you really learn to appreciate everything for what it really is. So, yeah. Um, well, you, yeah, well, you would appreciate this. There's a guy named John Farrar. Well, he's no longer with us, but uh, he was the waterfowl editor for Nebraska Land Magazine. And I, I just got a cover, just got a full photo essay that, but I was just coming out of that phase and, or that, what I would call the kiln phase. And, um, we were talking about, oh, we were talking about a local deal at, at a, at a local basin here, a local public spot. And, and I had met some kids and now you would love this because back in the day, remember when a, 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 the first 10 grounds of acrylic calls were like 200 bucks. Absolutely. <laughs> no. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, so you'd go meet a kid in the marsh and he'd literally have $800 worth of calls around his head and neck. And you're like, are you kidding me? You know? And you're like, and I was, I was poo-pooing it. And, and I was kind of get them on these kids. Don't, you know, respect this. I was being the old guy deal. And John stopped me in my tracks and he says, Hey, you were once like that, weren't you? And I was like, well, uh, but I'm not like that now. I'm not bloodlust. And he goes, but you were like that. Right. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, dude, everybody goes through that. Everybody. And he said, that's so awesome. He goes, I want to see people do that. I want to see people go through all the phases and, you know, and, and, and really, at that point in time, it really, really, that set me on a path, just that conversation, you know, with him. And, yeah, he's like, you got to capture all of it. It's all great, you know, from the very beginning to the very end. And that's how the storytelling, that's how, that that, that shaped, that shaped me a lot. Yeah, I, I mean, I remember, it's, yeah. it's a really yeah. interesting take on it, you know, and I, I guess mm-hmm. I'd really never thought about it like that. Because, you know, yeah. I, you, once you get to a certain point, you I don't, I don't know if I necessarily look back on my past, you know, in a negative light, but I look back mm-hmm. at some of the stuff I did as, as a younger man and, you know, lining 15 guys up to, to go out on a, on a fun hunt when I'm not working to, to just go out and, you know, shoot as many teal as we could on the opener or something. And, and I look back and I go, man, I never need to do that again. But, you know, I really the the book wouldn't be a complete story without those beginning chapters and i'd I'd never thought about it like that but that's a really good point yeah yeah i know because like my son um he's now a junior in college but he went through that phase where you know we i mean it was all about gentleman hunts and small groups and you know and that and and he said something along those lines one time because i never want to go out with 16 guys and shoot snow geese in the spring and just you know shoot a case of shells and i'm like dude you have to go do that <laughs> you, you have <laughs> there is nothing more fun than doing that when you're you know yeah i mean i did it it's awesome you yeah. know and it's yeah i mean that's that's fun we call it 
you know, we call it frat boy hunting now, but it's just part of it. it I did it. It's awesome. And I love it. Do I want to do it now? No, because <laughs> I've seen too many safety things go on that make me a little bit nervous, you know, about things like that. But no, I, yeah, I think it's, it's fun. It's all part of it. And yeah, should do it at least once. Yeah. This Ness, and, Now, while we're talking about it, did, did yeah. your son, uh, has he kind of gone through it? Uh, backwards in a way do you feel like him growing up with you who have kind of matured and, and been so passionate about it uh you know and, and gone through all the the phases in a, a standard order if you will do you think he's he's kind of been introduced to the back end of it first and that he needs to catch up a little bit or uh <laughs> what, what do you think about that i think so i, I yeah when you think about it yeah because he just does not party hunt at all you know he he likes small group of guys and but maybe, you know, that's just him, though, too. I just don't see him. Yeah, he's just very particular. That's and interesting. I, yeah, but he loves it. And he, love, he loves to go hunting by himself. And, you know, but now I'm, I'm dad, you know. Uh, he wants to go hunting with his buddies and doesn't want to bring his dad along. You know, he, he'll tell me about a hunt. And I'm like, well, he, Inviting your dad would have been cool. (laughs) (laughs) No, dad, it wouldn't have have actually. Well, yeah, because he knows the photo deal comes along with it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, and all my friends. And you know that deal, too, yeah, with your friends. So, yeah. That's funny. Leave the the camera behind. (laughs) No, but, yeah, I think he, like, yeah, he, yeah, I don't know. I think he he may do that someday, which is is good. Yeah. Um, Yeah, but it's. Yeah, so it's tough. I, it, it, yeah, because I'm. Yeah, it's tough to go through those phases and not. You have to enjoy every one. You know, you may look back on regret. I'm sure I do. I've had lots of regrets on things I did hunting wise. And oh, man, yeah, back in the day, I was driven, driven to the point of I was, I was, I was a prick too. But yeah, I mean, I was just absolutely driven. And yeah, I haven't yelled at my guys for a while. So I used to yell at my guys a lot back in the day. <laughs> I was a tyrant. You just had to toughen them up. That's all. Just, that's just, just get them yeah. right now. I, I hear you, man. Oh. I mean, and, and it's funny because that's, you know, I, I look back on, on things like we talked about as well. Like, man, I wish I'd have done stuff just a little bit differently. And they're all good memories. But, yeah. you know, for, for the most part, a lot of the stuff that I was into a while ago is just stuff that I don't really care to repeat again. Um, yeah. But it's, like you say, it, it's all important and you kind of need to, you know, you got to touch all the bases before you can, you know, <laughs> say you hit a home run. Yeah. Well it's, well, it's like right now. It's almost like, so we used to hunt a, a property on the Platte River and it was 40, 45 mallards a day. You know, it was, it was, it was fairly what I would call easy, but it almost, but I tell everybody, or even, you know, shooting geese. Um, it was a really good spot, really primo spot, a family. It was just, I couldn't have grown up in a better environment. This family was awesome. You know, we hunted that spot for 40 years. Um, and, but it almost got to a point where it was an industrial style of hunting. And I know some people are going to, that'll, that'll bring up a light bulb. It is, it's almost like, because I could put out the same spread every day shoot the same i mean you literally could just point the the gun in the same 35 degree angle from the blind and just pull the trigger i mean it was that dialed in you know just wash and repeat 
Yeah, yeah. And today, I, I, I couldn't have been more happier driving around for 300 miles trying to find just one opportunity to get. We found a pond with 75 mallards on it, and that's probably where we're going to hunt tomorrow. And we, and we know we got we got one shot. They're they're probably all going to come back at sunrise, and that's it. And you're done. And we may get three ducks, or we may screw it up and not get anything. But it it is so fun and invigorating for me to to just be a hunter again. And that's kind of the guys that that I hunt with now. It's just so fun to be a hunter again. You know, it's not an industrial style of shooting. It's it's literally just. God, you know, so the same guys. So there's one spot we hunt. We call it five ducks, um, and we either see five ducks or we shoot five ducks. It's it seems like that way, but we're like the, and it's the same guys I hunted with that we used to shoot forty five birds, you know, by ten o'clock in the morning. And gosh, you know, it was like three. It was like four years ago we shot five ducks one day, and we just were just the happiest crew ever. Because it was hard. It was, we had to scout and we had to, I mean, it just wasn't easy and oh, it was awesome. Yeah. And that, yeah, and I, I'm, yeah, so I'm kind of revitalizing and, and trying to, the photo's tough because <laughs> you, you just don't have many opportunities. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's a lot of, pick, it's a lot of photos of picking up decoys. Bingo. But yeah, yeah, but, but, but the other stuff you can, you know, you get, you get lucky every now and again, but yeah, I've, I've really tr- truly started to appreciate hunting on a whole nother level the last four or five years after not hunting that primo spot we had. And, and really it, I feel like a kid again. And I've told those guys over and over again, God, this is, these are the same feelings I had when I was a teenager. Just, just, like, just that, you know, man, I feel like, tomorrow. like, I feel like you have a crystal ball right now and you're reading what's <laughs> in my head. I'm, I'm not kidding you. My, I feel like yeah. the past probably, for me, it's probably been two, two and a half years. I have really, you know, I, I enjoy everything, and I'm blessed with my job to be yeah. able to hunt with a bunch of people all across the country yeah. and do some really cool stuff. But what really lights my fire is stacking up way too many decoys in the back of my truck, throwing my <laughs> now 12-year-old female black lab in the truck, and we drive yeah. out two and a half hours to where I'm going to go swing the bat, and we hike into some public space, typically have an encounter with someone else, usually good. Uh, yeah. Sometimes hunt with someone I didn't expect to, and uh, sometimes not, and occasionally have a really great hunt. And that's what really gets me excited. And, you know, I, I feel you with the photography stuff. Like you say, it, it, it ends up being dog work and guys picking up decoys and that kind of stuff. But, <laughs> you know, it's I don't, that's kind of a fun challenge, too. You know, I always... Yeah wish I had carried my camera around in my early days. You know, I, I did take it a decent amount, but I definitely didn't take the pictures I should have. Um, you know, I was either too paranoid because of weather or uh, and just flat out didn't think about it because, you know, I had a trigger to pull. But, you know, it's just so cool to, you know, for me to be able to go back and especially here, I still live in the same area, so I'm going back and I'm hunting some of the same places I grew up hunting and it's it just mm. feels like it's revitalizing it 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 washes you clean and you know whether you whether you see five ducks or shoot five ducks you just feel like you accomplished something and like you got to be outdoors and now that seems to be um more gratifying really than going out and and making a big pile of dead stuff yeah well so like when you took your camera out so are there's like instances where you wish you just would have captured 
just the people that you're hunting with that yes, day the, experiences the non... it doesn't oh, yeah. even, like i've got fuzzy pictures from 2006 that yeah. i cherish you know i've got picture i've got one picture uh of my my now lab's father um when he was in his prime and he was a mediocre dog at best but man i loved him and i miss him and you know, I, I wish I had more pictures of him doing his stupid stuff, you know, or or, or, or succeeding occasionally or, or just the guys that I hunt with. And, you know, like you like you mentioned, the uh, the editor, you know, we, we lose people too quickly. And it's one of those things yeah. that, you know, having having taken the two seconds to pull my camera out. Oh, yes. I mean, well, can, yeah. can, can you imagine all the pictures? If, if you would have gotten all the pictures you wanted to get. Yeah how nice that would feel. You know, I, I think about, um, you know, some, some very dear friends of mine and Tim Grounds and Butch Richenbach and man, I mean, I've got like oh. three pictures of yes. the, the two of us for, for both of those guys. <laughs> and it breaks my heart because we hung out all the time and you know, we family. How do you not have family pictures? But all it would have oh. taken is just to pull that camera out. And I just never did. And I, I really wish that that's something that I had done. And, and I think that, I don't know. I, I hope that, that that inspires some of the, the younger photographers to yeah. take that time. See, and I think that's it. And that's – okay, so yeah. So that's uh, – there you go. There's the secret. There's a secret juice to my success is I do. I did. And a lot of those capturing the hunt mood type shots, literally, there's nothing going on. Nothing. But I took a shot. And, I you know, I just picked it up. And I was just shooting. And – yeah, I, I think it's in a lot of this stuff. Uh, so uh, I really my my oldest son's really into skateboarding, but I loved skateboarding before that. Skateboarding and fly fishing, those were the two. Yeah, that's crazy when I tell people about that. Jake Alhondras, we've talked about this a time in depth, but you know, back in the day, the really cool photography stuff was snowboarding and skateboarding, and you know, all that kind of cool stuff, and. So like now there, there's, a, you know, the famous guy, Jason Lee and Petrarius, they have stereo skateboards, but there's a famous photo of them where both of them are sitting in a cafe, just having lunch, like on a random Tuesday afternoon after they got done skateboarding. But it's like one of the most famous skateboard photos ever. And it's just those two dudes having lunch. And just like if you had a photo of you and Tim Ground or, you know, someone, you know, just having lunch. And it's just, it's just crazy how that simple little photo like that is, is the one. It's the winner. They, it's, they it's, just carry so much more depth, yeah. you know. I mean, it's yeah. it's a it, it turns them from uh, icons and and you know imaginary oh. creatures. It take you it takes a unicorn and turns them into oh. a two cent pony. You know, I mean, they're just just a person like everybody else. Hey, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna have yeah. a you know a crummy BLT from this random deli, but you know, hey, I'm I'm hungry just like any other person. I know. So yeah, so like back in the day, even when you were a, a wee little boy. So I have a really good friend. His name is Dan Foose, and he used to be able to pal around with all the guys at Crab Orchard. Oh, back in back in the day, you know, when Gary McCree and and Grounds and Foils was just getting started, and all the you know all those dudes were just getting you know when the half breed. He remembers oh, that that was still eight fifty days, wasn't it? I mean, yes, yeah, when they fifties. Yeah, he remembers the day at Crab Orchard that dude brought it out. And he was like, you know, they were in the clubhouse watching everything, and they had 
you know, 200 Bigfoots on 21 plant, you know, but yeah, just to get, if you would have captured the photo of the, the guy bringing that out for the first time or them sitting around the clubhouse, just, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Stuff like that would be amazing. Now and, with, with how you, how you do that. And, and with the, the knack that you have for that, let me ask mm-hmm. you this. What percentage of the time do you have a camera in your hand versus a gun? Um, <laughs> you're getting back to, I'm reverting back to going the opposite way, but, um, I have a lot more gun in my hand here of late. Um, there for, but okay. So like today, today I took, I had the camera. Let me see. I think I took maybe six frames today and 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 basically they were ducks setting on a point and I just wanted to see what they look like. So if we go back and hunt that, like tomorrow is going to be a horrible, like the next three days are going to be a bad win for it. But maybe on the fourth day, it looks like a good win. Well, now I got, okay, now I kind of know what the ducks look like on that spot, that point. And I can kind of go back and do that. But um, it's getting less. It really is. And I, but I, but, you know, there was, we went on this, there was this big photo get together at Honey Break probably four years ago during the spring. And they, they had several photographers. Kanky was there and Adair and, um, you know, there was some other photographers there. And, and we were, so after about the third day, um, we were, someone said, wow, you don't take many photos. And she's, and I'm like, well, what do you mean? She says, well, you just jump in and jump out. I mean, you get in there and you just take 10 frames and you get what you want and you leave, you know, when other people were taking a hundred <laughs> frames. And I think, yeah. And that's, and I didn't do that. That was totally, you know, yeah, it was, that's what I do. I don't really, spray and pray a lot if i if i shoot 600 frames in a hunt in a hunt that's that's a super good day i just don't you know i just don't take a lot of 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 a lot of shots like that and and so i think it's a little bit misleading so whether i took six photos today you know i may take 300 the next day but you know yeah I, i don't know i i i i have the camera i need to take it a lot i need to take it a lot more but i always have it in the van i always have it sitting down on the floor and yeah i i need to take more and and i just get in a rut where i just feel like i'm just tired of taking photos and yeah and uh all our names test yeah. Tess was saying that and um yeah i just need to take more if there was one if there's one fault that i have is i don't take enough photos and like today, we were sitting there, not doing anything. Father, okay, father and son, my best friend and his son. Why didn't I take photos of those two sitting there? You know, it's just, it could have been easy. Just could have took four or five frames and been done. And yeah, it would have been great stuff like that. Yeah, it, yeah, you kind of caught me on a, yeah, that's a weird thing. Yeah, it, it's interesting. Now, and now I'm just sitting here going, now I wish I would have talked yeah. took more photos today. Because well, now I think of all the opportunities that I missed. Yeah, and, and actually, you know, kind of on that theme, do you feel that 
there are good or bad days for taking pictures or do you feel like it's worth you know snapping a few shots every day or, or like there's something that you can capture every day and you know get something new because i know that i heck i go through my my lightroom library and if i had a dollar for every frame i had of a green head mm -hmm. and a blue sky background i'd not be living in the house i'm living in now i'll tell you that much but you know i sometimes i feel like i've i I mean, I could take this picture, but I have three million of them at home. But you know, yeah. what's to say that that oh. duck might not have a backpack on or something? No. You know, I mean, there's there's that, yeah. and then there's just the standard lifestyle stuff. You know, turn 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 to your buddy yes. in the blind. You know, what what do you think? Do you do you do you feel that there's good days and bad days, or days that you know you're more productive with the camera or less productive? Absolutely. I mean, there's days that you just feel it, and you and you know, and you can just snap off and. It's great. And so, um, so, so like now, well, it, sometimes it's a burden, you know that, oh, right? Yeah. I mean, there's times that they see the camera and you're like, Oh, great. The, the mood goes and flat in a hurry. It goes flat. Over. Yep. Yes. Or you feel like you're compelled that you have to take photos of something. And, um, but then there's those days. So like dive bomb has a brand new decoy and you have a bunch of birds working and you're just like, Oh my gosh, I'm just, sta I'm just like cordwood, you know, oh, I'm just yeah. stacking up photos. Like Absolutely. This is amazing. And you're just, yeah. Everything you take is, is awesome and amazing. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm in that phase between it's a burden and it's, it's not only a burden for my friends, it's almost a burden for me because I can't sometimes like, like now I'm trying to enjoy the hunt more. Right. But but I'm also thinking I need to be working. <laughs> I know. So like today I need to be working. I need to be doing stuff, and I have, you know, there's there's apparel items and things like this that I should be taking photos of that I know that people are going to be looking for that I should have that. And so when I get done, and I get back and I go, gosh, I only took six frames today. I could have took father and son photos. I could have done this. I could have done that. And you feel like a little bit of the day is wasted. But yeah, it's. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's I've done it long enough that it feels like a burden at times, and I wish it wasn't that way. And I, I know I've missed a lot of photos in the last three or four years just because I've, I've I've really tried to enjoy the moment, and maybe instead of capturing the moment, yeah. you know, I don't know. How's that? You know, it's 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 tough. Break? You know, I I feel I I understand both sides of that. You know, sometimes it's there's something to be said about taking the picture like we talked about, you know, with friends to have to look back on and to reminisce on. But, you know, yeah. I, I don't know about you, but I, I what I think I'm kind of gathering is is that sometimes you feel like because you're behind the camera, you're separated from the moment and you don't get to be in that moment and experience that. Yeah, yeah. yeah but that's... it got to work the other way. <laughs> yeah. Know. So, yeah, so like Clay Hudnall, you know, there's times that I've hunted with Clay, and I don't know why. Clay brings out the best in me, and I, I know it's his aura, you know. I like Field. Don't get me wrong. They're... Clay, I, I've told Field many times, I said, I like your brother Clay way more than <laughs> you. Because he's Clay, – Clay, I don't know what it is, but, man, I get around those guys, and it just flows. And it the stuff I get is just amazing, And but there's – yeah, they've heard me go crazy. Usually, f bomb, 
type deal when I get a shot. I don't even have to look at the camera. You know, you know how oh, yeah. I know you know I know yeah. you know exactly how that you burn works. through it, it comes off and Dude, you, you just don't, feel the sweet spot and you're like, boys, y'all need yes. to check this one out. <laughs> yeah, I haven't even looked at the L C D but I know I've got something good. Or yeah, or you have it the other way where you pray and hope there's that's what you think it is. Yeah, and then you then you then you press the playback button and go back and it it looks like you were, you know, shooting through a thick fog and everything's fuzzy and soft. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yep. One or yeah. the other. One or the other. One or the other. No, yeah. that's it's funny you mention that. I I feel like Clay's another one of those guys and just the those two brothers in general and what they did growing up really inspired me at a young age as well. Um, yeah. Clay's one of those guys who you meet and he's not over the top. He's he's just Clay Hudnell. And yeah, that's well, yeah. the most awesome so, thing. And Fields the same way, but you know he's kind of yeah. polished himself a little bit from being in front of the camera and doing all this stuff. Uh, you know, early on with with Zinc and now with his own deal yeah. and then Du and I mean, you know, F- Field is a very well polished individual. And not that Clay's not, but <laughs> Clay is very much just Clay. Period. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah, just that low key. Just yeah, but he's the same. We'll, we'll just like we were talking about. You know, think of all the places those guys have got to hunt. I mean, they've got to oh hunt some of the most. I mean, the places that you've never even I mean, even the places you've never heard of. Yeah, that that's, they don't want anybody exactly to know. It. Yeah, yep. And they're, and they're just so excited to get back on the river, and they're blind and do the same thing you know, they did growing up, and and yeah, they're, they're black flock goose floaters and, and literally shooting a few birds a day, and they're yeah. just as happy as they can all be and yeah it's awesome yeah that's yeah that's, it is. that's really awesome that that really strikes a chord with where i i feel i'm at anymore you know that's that's yeah. that's what i like i could, I could see that oh yeah because you yeah, that would i could totally see that that's exactly probably what you do and yeah some i don't know but i think that's good i think that's what makes us all great hunters i think it's great photographers great people i think it's that give me a gentleman's hunt you know, with, with four guys, four or five guys. And, you know, and that's about it. it it's, it's weird. It's like, I don't want to, I don't want to hunt with 16 guys anymore. And I don't want to hunt in a, you know, five layout or five A-frames piled. I just, no, I yeah. just don't want it. I, I don't want my bourbon that way. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I just don't want to consume my bourbon that way anymore. I just, that's a good way to yeah. phrase it. Yeah, but I think we all. But again, we all go through it. Yeah, so you have to. Yeah, yeah that's that's perfect. Um, okay, yeah. so I'm gonna touch on a couple things for some of the in, uh, some of the the younger guys, or not necessarily younger, but more novice or introductory level photographers, real quick, just because these are some of the questions that I get asked yeah. all the time. I'm sure you get asked all the time as well. Um, so a lot of guys, obviously, everybody's budget's gonna be different, but yeah. to take a professional quality picture something that may not end up in a magazine but would be magazine worthy how mm-hmm. much money do you think a guy has to spend on something uh you know in, in today's day and age to go and take a really great picture 300 bucks <laughs> i'm not kidding i love it you, That's dude awesome. you can get on ebay get a rebel get a kit lens get it yeah it that, is I, I love I love watching those YouTube videos where they give the professionals, you know, you give uh, what was the video? I can't think of the guy the other day. It was a skateboard photographer, and they literally just handed him like a, a three hundred dollar point and shoot, 
and you eat all the stuff and just amazing that they get. And it's all, that's it. I mean, literally, you don't in your cell phone. Hey, I'm all about you. Do I'm not one of those photographers who are like, oh, cell phones are horrible and they're poor. No, they're not. It teaches everybody how to do stories. It's story taking from the get go. It is, um, and I, I think it takes it back yeah. to what we talked about: having your camera out. People yeah. pull their phone out and take pictures a lot more often oh, than they pull gosh. their camera out. If you had your camera out as often as you had your phone out, I bet you could take some crazy stuff. Oh, I, I can't tell you how many photos that I've taken with my phone of decoy settings or, or or birds on you know formations, you know flock settings and things like that. And I'm like, and then some magazine will ask for, oh, we would love to see you know, spread setups on ice or spread setups in a small environment. And I'm like, oh, gosh, I got a photo, but it's like three megapixels. It was taken like... on a toaster. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, gosh, why did I do? Why did I just pull up my other? But no, but I think that, but, but, but yeah, no, these kids, and yeah. Hey, we all get enamored with the technology and, and, we all want the the big. Hey, I want an R three. <laughs> I want yeah. I want, a, I want an R three in the hardest way. But yeah, um, you don't need that. You literally could, like the old twenty Ds. You know, uh, I know like not a name dropper, but again, like Matt McCormick. You know, that's what he started out with twenty D. I think, and, and all, dude, you'd go back to a twenty D right now, and or even a five D. You know, and take video and and any of those old cameras are still, you can still get amazing stuff with them. You know, and it's a lot of, it's about the glass, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. You can do that with any of that stuff anymore. Yeah. You know? It, yeah. And just, you don't, you don't need an R5 or, you know, you, the latest Sony or you don't need that. No. You just gotta, you just gotta start somewhere. And I did too. I started with a rebel. I had a rebel. Heck yeah. And, yeah. Same yeah, here. I was I was a T three I guy, so yes, not not the yes. base level, but I, I was a T three I, and and that's what I tell people. Honestly, I mean, I shoot Nikon now, but I I just tell people go buy a Rebel, get on like you say, just get online, find a used camera, and once you get a body, spend your money on glass because. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. If you're going to blow something up to be a mural, yeah, there's a difference between, uh, you know, 15 and 50 megapixels. Yeah, you're you're going to tell a difference then. But for 95% of what you're doing, especially the storytelling aspect and just learning how to take pictures and deal with settings and, and, and capture light in a way that it grabs mood, you know, I mean, I feel like all of that I learned how to do on a super basic kit camera with a kit lens nothing fancy and honestly i think it made me better for it because yeah you got to get creative when the light sucks or when you're trying to take pictures of birds and (laughs) yeah oh my gosh well yeah remember what because your camera was three frame or two and a half frames per second wasn't it i i I felt like i could have wound an old paper kodak camera faster than that thing went oh my gosh yeah i remember that yeah i remember those days and yeah you just you would time it like you would yeah. literally time the shot you would just wait and you would just you would watch the goose back know what, that's right know what's going to happen before yeah. it happens and would seize yeah. your moment when it's coming sometimes you get it and sometimes you don't yeah yeah and i think that helps and i think yeah and i've, I've seen tutorials where people just tell them to shoot one photo you know you can only shoot one photo yeah one time and i think that helps and Hey, spray, 
So the, the more expensive, so if I had an R, like right now, I've got my R5, I can shoot 20 frames per second on electronic mode, and and I, I can do all that. And the only thing that buys me, that having an R5 with more megapixels and 20 frames per second, the only thing that buys me is room for error. It's still the same photo. It's still the same in-the-moment shot. It's still trying to capture the moment. But my my percentage of error is completely decreased from two and a half frames per second to twenty. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You just your room for error is is just expanded, and and you can usually get the shot. Yeah, um, you might might get uh you know have a shot you know with that that goose hovering over those those decoys mm-hmm. there and might have its face hidden. If I don't know how many times, especially with my last camera, I feel like uh, right at, at that eight. Eight and a half frames a second, I feel mm-hmm. like, is about the exact same pace that a greater yeah. Canada goose flaps. I swear, I've got 13 pictures in a series of a Canada goose with his wings in the same position, but the goose has clearly moved, you know, about a, a two or three feet between every picture. And that was that was the one big thing I noticed when I, you know, stepped up, like you say, is room for error. Being able to pick and choose and, and to grab a different pose out of there where, you know, it might be a little more flattering for either the, you know, the, the yeah. bird or the decoys or, 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 you know, the dog, whatever it be. Yeah, yeah, it just, you can fine-tune it, but, yeah, I don't, yeah, I know some of these, yeah, and not just kids, but even just adults that are even getting into it, yeah, it's just, everybody starts from zero. Yeah. And, gosh, I remember just being so frustrated back when I first started trying to be like Buckley, you know, Bill Buckley yep. or, or, or Chose and, or Dave Steinick, I just... God, I just couldn't figure out how they did it and what it, and I was trying to figure out and yeah, it's it's frustrating and, and you just want to get there faster and it, it just takes frames. It just like any yeah, you know, it's like anything else. It just takes time. It takes frame, it takes repetition, it just takes you know, absolutely sometimes being in the I have been totally blessed with being at the right spot at the right time, but you gotta be in the right spot at the right time. You know? Yep. Yep. Yeah. No. Yeah. Like that. But yeah, just buy something, whatever you can afford, and just start shooting, and you're good. Now, now that being said, if Mm -hmm. budget's not an issue with the (laughs) advance, yeah, wouldn't that be nice, right? Oh, Um, yeah. If if with technical technological advancement with the mirrorless stuff coming so quickly, I held off. I held off for a long time, and I'm like, I don't need a mirrorless. I can do this. What do you think? No. What is it? Is it worth the money? I mean, is it? Yeah, you know, does it make a big it difference? It is. I I do, because what you see is what you get. You know, right? Okay, so right now, with my R5, it would have been the R6. I had an R6, and then I quickly went to the R5 just with the bigger megapixels. Um, yeah, I mean the the amount of so so switching to a mirrorless, my workflow is reduced by 40%. Easy. Easily by 40%. Problem is now my memory cards and external hard drives and hard drives themselves are expanding. <laughs> you know, I'll go through three external hard drives this, this fall, you know, oh where I goodness. used to be able to do two external hard, you know, four gigabyte type thing. Well, I'm not taking six frames for a second like I did today. Right. Six frames. But you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. just because now everything's just bigger and you got to gear up. Yeah. But 
So, um, so, so it's a bigger file. Do, you can take yeah, more frames file. a second. Uh, yeah. Just, how's the ISO capability? Does that does that is that dramatically improved as well? Uh, yes and no. You know what's crazy? I just had this discussion the other day. Um, okay, so I was taking photos of a pheasant hunt, and okay, so now we're talking professional. We're talking on the high end scale where we're fine tuning things, right? Yeah. Okay, we're fine tuning things. So I'm on a pheasant hunt. I'm taking photos of guys shooting pheasants, you know, as we're walking through a field. It's an outfitter, it's, but it's a thick – I mean, it's just not like the dogs are pointing everything and you can get set up. So I'm taking a lot of flushing shots, flushing birds out of tall grass. Okay, so I had my R5, and for whatever reason, with my 100 to 400 version 2L Canon, it just was not locking onto that bird fast enough. And it was the most frustrating thing. And after we got done with two, you know, quarter mile walks, I'm like, I can't do this. This is not working. And I went back to my one DX Mark II and it's lightning fast on. And I don't know if it's because I, I, I still think it's shooter. Error. I still don't think I have it fine tuned. I, I think there's a way to fine tune the R5 to, to do it. I just have not figured it out and I'm tired of wasting time on it this season. And I just put it, I can't, I can't, if I do that type of shot, I'm bringing my 1DX Mark II out because I have so many more hours on that camera and so many more. I can swing it. I mean, like an, an Olympic trap shooter. I can freaking <laughs> just throw. I can. I just know that thing. I can throw that dot out there. I can whack it, track it. So the the deal, the, the whole difference between the two one with the R5, I was getting the bird. I couldn't get the bird flushing, and the bird when I would get my first frame is when the bird was impacted with the shot, or was already starting to come down. With my 1DX Mark II, I could get on it. I could get the bird flushing. I could get the shot. I could get the shot string. I could get the bird getting hit, and I could get the bird falling. So I was getting almost four more frames per second just with the, the amount of time that I was that I was tracking the bird between my old 1DX Mark II and my R5 with the same exact lenses. But, you know, with that R5, I had the adapter on, and I don't know if that's causing a little bit of a lag or whatever. But but saying that with my R5, with the face detection and the eye detection, I can go through an entire portrait season of shooting senior photos or family photos, and I never have to worry once about any of those photos not being in focus. Every single one of those things is in there. Everybody's eyes are in focus. Or if I'm taking dog photos and the dog's bringing, like last week, we I was on a hunt with some friends and took dog photos. If I would, if I took 200 dog photos, 190 of them are perfect <laughs> because that wow. that that eye tracking is just dead on with the R5. It is it is awesome and it is. And you can just bury the shutter and just let her rip. And you know every single one of them. Then you just have to worry about composition. You know, you're just moving the lens back and forth, trying to composition the shot or, you know, compose the shot and get it. Never have to worry about eye or anything like that. That's awesome. It's, and, it's, and especially, yeah. you know, for, for those of you who aren't as familiar with this and you're, you're kind of new to the photography game, keeping the eye in focus, Oh yeah, it's yeah. everything, right? I mean, it it sets the oh. tone for the whole picture. Oh, but here's another problem though, too, because I think the R5. Now, this is just my opinion, and my opinion only. I think the R5 is extremely dialed in for humans and animals. 
And I say that on an eye level because I have a friend who raises bighorn sheep and uh, I need <laughs> for crazy things of doing Photoshop and trying to make a, a good photo. I needed to get ears, right? Uh-huh. Ears. And it's cause I needed to Photoshop ears on some of them or tags or I'll be like doing cattle. So let's do say you're like, you're doing cattle and, and you're taking a bunch of livestock photos to make a portfolio for a sale of a catalog or something for, for Angus cows, but they've got ear tags in them and you want, you know, something else without it. It had a hell of a time focusing on the ears. It just, it would always, even when I turned everything off, I would turn off the face detection. I would turn off everything and just, it still wanted to jump to the eye or jump to the, you know, and I, and, I, and I found that out in football too, because a lot of times in football, I would I would try to compose a shot where I would would try to get a football player coming through a pack or coming through a bunch of guys, and I would, in with my one DX Mark II, I would just hit the hit the chest of the football player, and we just track the chest the entire time. We track the numbers; it wouldn't just take it off. And with the with the R5, it just kind of kept jumping up to the face and. It was very frustrating to me. You know, it just did not have the pinpoint focusing that I wanted with the 1DX that I wanted, you know, with the R5. But it's, but again, we're cutting hairs. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, absolutely. But it's frustrating. But we're, you know, yeah. But that's, that's the, the upper level of when you start working with a lot of cameras, you start figuring out these little things that don't work. And, and maybe somebody will hear this and tell me exactly what I'm doing wrong. But I just have not been able to figure out that R5 on that level. It just is frustrating to me. And I don't know if the R3 is any different. And I don't know. That's crazy. I, uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, but it's, no, it's... I don't. I don't know. I'll probably buy. An, I'll probably buy a new lens before I buy an R3. I would really <laughs> like to. I would because see, this is a deal. I would like to get that 100 to 500 in my hands. Uh huh. The RF 100 to 500 to see if it's if if it's the 100 to 400 or if it's the 100 to 500 with the RF. You know, is interesting. Is that... That's that's a good question. And what's the yeah. what's the lowest uh, aperture on that 100 to 500? Mm, the 100 500 i think is a four maybe four wow. oh i think it's four oh at a hundred uh, i'm not yeah i don't know but but then there you know you can make like with that 100 to 400 i can make it look like a 70 to 200 oh yeah know, with the two with the two eight you know i mean there's ways to do that and get around it and you know you can you can't tell the difference with, if you can't tell the difference between a if that sh- if shot with a a 200 28 or a, a four you know whatever you know you can make lenses look like one another you know when you get down like an 85 one two yep. you know it's different or a 50 one two or something like that you're, you're, it's a little bit different yeah but the, but the telephoto but, stuff for for yeah. you know certain ranges in different lenses you can really definitely do something like that and i feel like yeah. you know the the biggest thing especially in waterfowl photography that you benefit from is just that increased capability in low light scenario and that's oh, the, I, that's, yes. that's the one thing that yes. i lack I, so i've got uh i run a 70 to 200 28 and love it it's great for decoying birds but you know i i still only have the uh, i've got a 200 to 500 and that's a a 56 and it's yes. dramatic the difference and yep. it, it blows my mind just how much more light i need and i honestly if i'm going someplace where it's going to be cloudy i don't even take it on trips with me anymore you know it's not worth lugging around in my carry-on because it's got to be reasonably bright to get some decent pictures with it 
Oh, I know. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. And it's so the deal was before if I could take a photo shooting time. Okay. So if you could take a shoot, if you got to take a photo just five minutes or eight minutes earlier than I normally could, it's totally worth having a different lens because you could shoot, you know, if you shoot 10 more minutes earlier, it's just awesome. You can, you can do it all, you know, it just gives you that much more light. Yeah. And I don't know if it's the, uh, yeah, the ISO capabilities are anymore. And I, I would really like, I talk to Phil about it every now and then about, you know, the Sony's, you know, their low light capabilities and, it's just super awesome, and I don't know what this R5 or the R3 is supposed to be super amazing, but I don't know. It's yeah, it's one of those things you just don't know about. Yeah, so so you get you've in your Yeah, exactly. You you got to get it, and then you got got to get familiar with it, right? I mean, you're you're you've been a Canon guy forever, right? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and and I'm I'm kind of the same way with Nikon, and I feel like even. I used to shoot Canon a little bit with the with the Rebel, and and I've played around with enough of my friends' Canons that I feel like I should be comfortable with it. But I feel like I'm I'm in a a completely different country. Like I have no idea what language this camera is even trying to speak to me. <laughs> so I feel yeah. like at this point, it would take so long for me to get used to uh, a Canon or a Sony, especially you know yeah, be- would, because it, it, you just especially in waterfowling i feel like you need those those snapshot you know those those quick cat-like reflexes to grab it to adjust it to go and and there's your shot you either get it or you don't yeah you're exactly right and you're like explosive like shotguns you know you're just used to yeah you're just used to shooting those things and yeah like the art you know yeah i i know exactly what you're talking about i feel the same way yeah that's it's it's interesting it's you know i i never really thought i'd have to think about going to a smaller body but you know if if i make that jump to the mirrorless game i mean that's like you say i mean that it just feels different right i mean you said your your swing just isn't what it was with the with the 1dx it isn't no i like that heavy feel of the 1dx you know i like it it's almost like having a heavy having a remington 1100 opposed to a ultralight yeah it's just yeah the swings a little bit or you know like a trap gun but yeah that's not and that's the problem i think i just so i'm so in tune i shot that one dx mark ii or the one dx for so long and and just feel so good with it and yeah and i just pull it up and snap a shot whenever i need it and instantaneous and but yeah everything else with that r5 is wow it's 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 yeah it's Probably the best photo. It's the best camera I've ever shot by far. But of course, you say that about everything that's brand new, right? Oh, best thing ever. But no, yeah, I just I love it, and but it feels a nice niche. It's my portrait. It's my lifestyle type photos. And then if I really, if I want to take photos of birds, I'm going to be probably going back to the One DX just for a while, just because I'm just better with it. Man. I don't know. That's really yeah. that's really neat to hear, and it's and it's cool because you've you know, you're, you're doing it, you know, you're, you're living every guy's dream and having some options there and and getting to do it. So that's, it's really cool to hear your take on all that. 
Yeah. Okay, yeah. so we have talked a, a good amount about photography, a little <laughs> bit about hunting, but man, yeah. you, I, I am so interested in some of your hunting techniques that, that I got to shift gears just for a couple minutes here. Yeah. We're, we're coming up right at an hour, so, so I'm not going <laughs> to oh, take up much more of your time, but. Oh, um, no, no problem. Man, for, uh, again, for those of you who don't know, Doug is Central Flyway aficionado, uh, Nebraska, primetime waterfowl, ducks, geese, moving water, big water, you name it, and, and he's been there and done that. And um, one of the things that, that I can say about you is that I really enjoy seeing the differences and the, the ways that you differentiate yourself from other groups or other decoy spreads. Um, and, and just some of your tactics, like one of my favorites, those, those monstrous silhouettes, I'm telling yeah. you, that is yeah. the coolest thing in the world to me. Oh yeah. Okay. They're super cool, but like everything else, they all have their place, but, uh, yeah. Okay. So I, when I first started hunting on the property that I did, there was a guy named Bob Bendler from Lexington, Nebraska, back in the early 90s. He was super cool dude, one of my mentors, uh, but they made these big silhouettes. Well, then another guy, his name was Chuck Rip. And uh, besides my dad, Chuck Rip has been more has been responsible for, he's been my biggest mentor of all time. <laughs> and it, But he had these huge, freaking silhouettes and uh so we had blinds next to each other and i oh i i I can't tell you the times i've cherished meeting chuck rip at the fence in a morning or an afternoon and he always had a cigarette in his mouth and and i was just talking to to jd oreda about this just last week and he was and i remember one time i so at one time i made you know custom heads custom sleeping heads for bigfoots and I had like 150 custom sleeping head Bigfoots. And frick, I was thought it was cool ding lang because it was like no one else had full body sleepers at that one time and had that many at one time. You know, I was putting, they were old carry light, uh, 1995. Um, uh, their standard shell decoy came with a sleeper head. And if you cut the cleat off of the bottom of that sleeper head, it fit a Bigfoot perfectly i mean it was just beautiful but i, I had all these bigfoots i had probably 200 bigfoots back then and i thought i ruled the roost and it was right before a so started and chuck goes so you gonna run any silhouettes tomorrow and i said no i'm gonna run my full bodies and he goes well son you probably should run some silhouettes tomorrow and i said no i'm good i'm gonna run my full bodies tomorrow and those dudes were done shooting their limit of Canada's in about an hour. And I stood up there all day and we shot just a handful. <laughs> and, uh, and so, but he was making these big monster silhouettes at the time and, and then the little ones too, but he's using silhouettes all the time. But anyway, I saw him at the gate a few days later and he goes, so how did it go that day? And I said, <laughs> it was rough. I said, I assume with all the shooting, you were done in about an hour. And he goes, yes, we were. And I was like, what's the deal? And he goes, silhouettes don't attract snow <laughs> i was like oh god <laughs> duh that's it that was it it was a raging snowstorm and the silhouettes didn't collect snow they just were black right yeah where we were out brushing off full bodies all the time and and so after that point i i always made it a point to always have silhouettes in the spread and he had these big, massive ones, and his boys always gave him heck about them. But, yeah, they're great attention getters. And so then I started making them. 
Um, and of course they've advanced to what you see now, but, uh, and a lot of them are, Hey, they're based off a of Dave Smith decoy. You know, I just put them in the computer and then I cut and shaved and just kind of made the body the way I want to, especially the Sentinels, you know, the Sentinels. Oh yeah. Really looks, looks like just, one of Dave's yeah, giant uprights. Yeah, I mean, just yeah, giant to, a to a T, but it matches my super mag gene h super mag shells with sleeper heads on them it, it matches them perfect it, it, they just run so there's so many times that we would just put out our gene h super mags with our with my cut up heads and then just run those silhouettes in them and uh yeah that's it's just awesome and but then we then i just got crazy with it and i think i've got like 80 of those big silhouettes now and what we found is that we can run them on well, even back, even back in the, in the 80s, I remember my very first six that I made were out of four by four by four sheets of, uh, of foam that were at, that it was, a, there was a house being built next to us. And I just took the foam, cut it, and we made big sleeper decoys out of them. <laughs> and, wow. and that's what we used. And we would hide behind those out in the middle of the cornfield. You know, we'd lay down in my dad's Carhartt faded coveralls because they they matched you know corn yeah. and uh yeah that's how we would try to shoot canadas back then we just hide behind the silhouettes and there was no layout blinds back in the 80s and that so we would just hide behind the shells and until they got close enough that we could get a shot you know and so now that's what we've done and a lot of times you know like when we're out at mcconaughey or some other big lake where you can't hide you know it's like anything else like you just hide behind the shells they're bigger you can hide behind them and you know, they don't land 10 yards away from you with feet down, but you get a 40 yard shot, 10 yards high. You'll take that every day. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's what we, yeah. And it's just kind of been adaptation with that. And sometimes we use them and sometimes we don't, and, but yeah, I always like to hunt with them and I'd rather hunt with them and shoot less birds than, you know, hunt with something else and, and shoot a limit just because they're yours, you know, and, and you get to get to, it's the same deal on fly fishing. If you get to tie your own flies and you catch one fish, it beats catching ten with somebody else's fly. No, I can't say that. Maybe, maybe three. Fly. Maybe three. <laughs> yeah, three. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, when I, I know everybody who's listening, that has the same thing. Yeah, yeah. They, they feel that way. You'd rather do that, but no, I love them. I love those big silhouettes, and yeah, we're thinking about using them here maybe this this week. That's um, super cool. Just on a different hide, but yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I, I that was a little random, long train of thought there. But, yeah, it, it's basically from my mentors back in the day, you know, and in, in, in showing me and, and using them. It's just been kind of an adaptation and an, an advancement of those. That's and, awesome. Yeah. And, and do you – I mean, you seem like a tinkerer. I mean, you seem oh, like a guy yeah. who's creative, who just – it's never just yeah. good enough, right? I mean, is is that kind of the, mm-hmm. the way you tick there? It is. It's just, it's so my close friends, my really close friends know how many decoys there are out there, especially with greenhead gear. There's, there's a lot of my DNA and a lot of those greenhead gear decoys. And, you know, it's the full, the duck, the duck sleepers, the, full body sleepers, the, the rester sleepers with the wire stands that pull out, you know? Oh yeah. Um, the, the one piece sleeper shell, you know, yep. it took that to another level. You know, there were some other things that went on with that with other people, but 
yeah, things like that. Whether I didn't have the idea, at least I have. It's nice to know I have some. I'm not I'm not saying I, I no, I did those. No, I, I have like 10% DNA and some of those decoys, and I'm happy about that. And that just comes from tinkering and figuring, trying to figure things out. And you know, it's just it's just fun. It just never seems to be. Yeah, I'm always tinkering and. Yeah, I'm trying to think of something that I'm tinkering with right now that I can't. Well, actually, another one that I wanted to bring up, uh, your theory with the rester sleepers uh, and duck hunting and having some black bodies on there. What is that all about? Yeah, okay. So, oh, this was such a cool deal. Oh, it was such a cool deal. Um, All right, so, yeah, so we have the duck soul bodies. They're just black. Okay, no, now this... Not my original idea. There's some guy holding an old beer can from 1968 going, hold my beer. I've thought of this before. And it's it's the same premise. And whether it was Duck Hunter's Bible or, or some other magazine that are, are, are old books back in the day, just using those. Okay, so you, you see a bunch of ducks setting on the ice. And I've got one great photo where there's just a bunch of ducks on the ice. But and all you can see is the blackness, that, that luminescence or you know, iridescent black, they're just black, but then you can see the green heads and you're like, Oh, let's just, let's just basically run black. Oh, it worked out great because we couldn't sell any black full body mallards at green head gear and at pro staff pricing, you could get them for, you know, geez, it was like $40 an eight pack or something. It was some, it was <laughs> insane. They were insanely cheap. So I bought a bunch of black ones and just painted their green, their heads green and it worked and it was great. But I can also tell you that I, I had about a hundred and maybe 120 of those at one time, 120 of those full body mallards with the green heads. If you put them all out at the same time, it doesn't work. <laughs> it's, it doesn't, it's a, it's a mix of It's you got, you got to have that, that, that tonal variance in between the bright and the, in that. And, yeah, because we put them all out at one time, and it just never had the drawing power. But if you you sprinkle in twenty five percent of those black ones in with the regular one, it just gives that spread a little more depth. And you know, and, and Jake Lahondras has done the same thing with his decoys, you know, up on the, the warm water sluice, and or, or the guys down south. Uh, this is nothing that I've found. It's just something that I've I've tweaked. Right? It's it's, it's nothing new. It's just that I've tweaked it a little bit, and. Yeah, so, so that's what we've done. But it's also great talking to Field and Clay. You know, when the it was, this is another great story you need to talk to those guys about. So when they ber- first brought out the, uh, uh, do you remember that they used to call the FFDs that first came out from Greenhead Gear? They called them the Silver Gorillas. Yep. But, yeah, they were all silver and they were bright. Well, back in the testing days, I, the story goes is that they had Tom Matthews sent out with Fred, you know, and then these guys, they set out three different spreads, normal decoys painted, normal decoys or all the decoys with fully flock. And then they just did all black fully flock and all the birds went to the black fully flocks, but they didn't think they'd be able to sell them. You know, no, I don't think I'm telling anybody that doesn't anybody. I don't think this is a, you know, no, I don't, I don't think anyone's going to come the after you out for this. Yeah. The, the story is <laughs> out there enough. But that just totally blew my mind when, when I heard that from Field and Clay. And I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. You know, it does. It just makes so much. And it, it, it goes back, it harkens back to the days of Crab Orchard Cove and everybody else or Chesapeake when you just planted 
black and whites. Bingo. You know? Yep. It's, and, it's and that cool. it's fu- it's funny you mention that because, you know, I we have to look at things a little bit differently, you know, taking pictures. You know, you, you try to notice oh. colors, highlights, shadows, that kind yeah. of thing, the things that stick out, right? Well yeah. flying uh, has given me a lot different perspective oh on things, gosh. and I can tell yeah. you between sunny days and cloudy days, I even from fifteen hundred feet up, I will either see drakes or hens. It's one mm-hmm. or the other based on the light. And man, I, I I'm cloudy days every time I will see a hen before I see a drake. And on the sunny days, those light colored backs on the drakes just pop. Oh. I mean, it might as well be a pintail. I mean, it's just yeah. so picturesque, but having yeah, well, the, the yeah, contrast in there is just huge yeah and i think you go to the extreme because like isn't that the whole deal with stuffers you don't like to run stuffers on a cloudy day like yeah. canada like canada stuffers canada stuffers on a cloudy day on chiseled corn bingo is, that's it, it. that's you can't that's see everything them. yep and yeah. they're just gone yeah yeah it's just yeah it's crazy how that i suppose it's like a uh fire tiger fly you know in muddy conditions or a there you go a chartreuse yeah That's i mean fair. it's just you just go one way or the other you go you know i don't know Man, yeah. you're, you're you're getting into some jedi stuff now you know oh yeah some fish some goose jedi you know it's so so after he- hearing field and clay tell me that about that i went and, and took a bunch of my decoys and we actually i have 36 decoys that we call death troopers <laughs> and it's on my Instagram. You can go back and look at it. We call them Death Troopers, yep. and it came out the exact same week that Rogue One came out because I'm like a big Star Wars <sighs> geek, all right? So they look like – so we just called them – so we just painted them all black, and then we threw a bunch of flocking on them, right? Did it the old Rustoleum way. You know, Absolutely. nothing fancy. No, we just, just painted paint them all fuzzy stuff. Yeah, we just sticky paint and fuzzy stuff and put them on and – uh they said those look really cool, and I said those look like death troopers. So now we call them death troopers. So I actually have thirty six death troopers that we use out west, where you only need thirty six decoys. And uh, yeah, so we, yeah, it's it's yeah, and that was basically from the whole conversation of, of field and clay, you know, and yeah, and they work. It's amazing. Yeah, oh, yeah. they do. Well, they well, totally and, work. And people people don't believe, you know, Kyle and I, and and I. Man, the, the fully flocked black silhouette is kind of a game changer oh. for me. You know, I, I always knew they were ton, talking to Hunter and Tim. I mean, they they yeah. talked about shadows all the time, and that was the deal. But, man, it wasn't until Kyle and I went on a freelance trip and brought nothing but 10 dozen black and whites and said, hey, yep. we got a week. Let's see how it goes. And, honestly, I was blown away at the response we got. Because, A, I've never pulled geese from farther. And, I mean, as much credit as I would love to give the call, you just can't. <laughs> uh, you know, and when, when you look at that stuff from where you park the truck, and I'm a guy who parks way too far away, yeah. it's amazing how much better that stuff stands out and, and how much more realistically you can set your spreads because every decoy just stands out so yes. much more. That contrast is just yeah. wild. It is. It's it's amazing. Yeah. It's and but but okay, so we're sitting here talking about this in two thousand twenty one 
there's dudes in 1950 in the Chesapeake Bay that were doing this and going, Absolutely. you know, <laughs> and saying the exact same thing. Exactly. And, and it's it, funny, it's, it's funny how waterfowl goes in phases like that, right? I mean, I, yeah. I Colorado, yeah. we used to be, uh, you come out here plenty and, and I'm sure it's, yeah. you've still seen some of the, the full body fever that, that this place has now. I mean, places are warming up yeah. to silhouettes all over the country, but not because yeah. it's something new. It's just because, you know, people are, doing it and showing people that it actually works. I mean, yeah. I don't know about you, but when I first heard about, you know, silhouettes and hunting, I, I kind of laughed. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that's grandpa made uh, some and that's, that's, well, that's what he used, but there's no way we can kill today's geese over this kind of stuff. Well, you know, the front range stuff, you know, it really well. And, and, and you know, my friends, you know, there's Tim and Reininger with yep. Stillwater yep. and then there's Caldwell's, you know, um, advanced Stoltz, you know, those oh, guys, yeah. Like Stoltz and Caldwell, they were way ahead of the silhouette game. You know, oh they did the, the real, the real. I'm sorry, I mentioned real geese on a dive bomb. Uh, it, it'll just, be okay. Yeah, it's just, it, it, I mean, it'll it, be okay. All right. But it's still silhouettes, but now they're running dive bombs. But anyway, it's, you know, because, you know, you know, like the guy on Jeff's running those dive bombs all the time now. And, and with those huge lesser flocks, God, you need that. You need the power some days, you know, to do that. Yeah. You know, and then, but then you got Tim and Reiniger that, that and Travis, you know, they, they, they just set a spread with whatever falls out of the trailer, you yeah. know, 16 decoys. And, and those two extremes, it's kind of, cause everybody else, cause it got to the point where everybody was running a seven by 14 trailer. Well, seven by 14 trailer is basically 20 dozen Bigfoots, right? <laughs> yeah. So everybody was running 20 dozen Bigfoots because that was the size of trailer you could get. So people started going one way or the other and yeah. And, and silhouettes give a whole different look, you know, or just 16 full bodies or, you know, it's like Dave Smith decoys. You get, there's no need to run more than 30 because it just becomes a black blob. You might as well be running anything else. Yeah. So it, it's just, yeah, it's, it's like anything else. You just got to find that little niche area, but yeah. And yeah. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. And I, Cause you just got to see what everybody else is doing and then go the opposite. Definitely. Like, and, and isn't that crazy? That, I mean, it really is. And, yeah. and it's funny, you know, we, we mentioned, you know, kind of some fad type stuff. And for Jeff, I don't feel like there was ever a drop off. I feel like Jeff probably learned how to hunt over silhouettes and some full oh, bodies yeah. and some shells. And man, that's, yeah. that's what Jeff does today. And it's, it it's, it's, it's one of those things that we get people ask us all the time or, or even just saying like, Hey, I'm going to sell everything I've got and go straight to dive bombs. And it's like, man, I appreciate that. That's that's awesome. And and to say that you believe in our product that strongly, <clears throat> that means a lot. But, you know, there's there's always a circumstance that calls for something out of the ordinary. And whether something out of the ordinary, like you say, is 16 full bodies or, you know, some, some sleeper shells in the snow or on a sandbar yes. or something. I mean, there's, there's a time and a place. So, you know, as long as financially you don't oh. have to pigeonhole yourself, man, diversity is huge. And you get oh, more room to tinker, it, right? Oh my gosh! It, it's and and probably you've you've had the. I wish I had a sixty foot. <laughs> I wish I had a sixty foot barn. <laughs> yes. That that I literally because like today, it's like okay, so we were gonna hunt seventy five ducks. I just need eighteen decoys, yep. right? But if we go hunt big water, I'm gonna need, you know let's say ten dozen duck decoys with sixty inch strings on them. You know, and yeah. or or seventy two inch strings on them, and I, I wish I was like a Dewalt battery. You know, yeah. like on a, I wish I could just pull into my trailer, or 
pull into my garage and go, okay, you know, this time I'm going to do this. This with, time I'm going to use these. Things. Ooh, with, this time with, I'm going to use the ladder like you see in all the really giant libraries. You can just go yeah. go straight to your sunny day, deep water, big numbers. Here we go. Here's the section and, and pull it out. Yeah, it's sort of like like I can't think of the brand name of that deck system you have in your pickup truck that you can roll out, right? Oh yeah. If you could just if you could just roll that out and it just exchange, you oh. know, from one day to another, go. All right, I'm going to put all the snow beastie toys on this whack, and I'm going to put all the de- you know <laughs> just 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 exchange them like you do batteries on a Dewalt drill. That would be that would be awesome. Oh. But yeah, I would I would have all. But no, I would, no, it wouldn't be that way because. I would tinker. Yeah, I would have I would have some herders, you know, ninety twos. I would have, God, if I could afford them, Costello canvas back handmade decoys. I would oh, have. Yeah. I would have all these, but then I would have the old school stuff too. I would I would love to have some of those old silhouette decoys and yeah, yeah, and the old greenhead, you know, old greenhead gear and the gene. I mean, yeah, I mean. I'm a decoy whore. I hey, mean, this is what it comes down to. I, I just it. love them all. Well, the, I do. And, I love them all. Then there's there's a lot of great characteristics that, I mean, all new decoys are based on old decoys, right? I mean, it, it all started <laughs> with, with grass that was tied together to look like a canvas bag yeah. by Native Americans out west somewhere, and it's come from there. But, you know, it's it's so cool to, especially well, to look back at, at the older stuff, whether it's old guns uh, old decoys, old cameras, you name it. Uh, and to yeah. see what you can do with those today, you know, just because well, the, it's old doesn't mean it doesn't work. The whole concept no. of silhouettes is ancient, but you know, I know, it's, but, it's awesome. But, but like with, with what you guys have done at Dive Bomb, it's cool because you've, you've totally streamlined it. You've made it incredibly affordable for everybody to grab them. I mean, you can, you can exchange out 10 or 20 or 50 dozen dive bombs and it doesn't really, I mean, guy to get that many that many numbers you know let's run 50 dive bombs today oh let's run this let's not do that but yeah and the way in the way that you've made them and look at them you know they've come a long way from real geese and outlaw decoys and, and oh my God. i mean it's just uh, could, yeah, could you, could you imagine telling your high school self that if you mowed you know a dozen lawns you could go get 20 dozen decoys <laughs> i know <laughs> it's no, that's the craziest I, thing. I, I, oh I got a message gosh. from I, a from a thirteen year old kid in Oklahoma. Said, "Hey, you know, yeah. my name's so and so, and you know, I I saved up for the past few months and got a spread." I was like, "All right, well, well, how many how many decoys do you have? Oh, I got twenty five dozen. I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, okay. yeah, the drive for twenty five. We had it back then, the drive for twenty five. So one time we had uh, like a thousand sleeper shells at one time, and it was just insane it was it was i mean i mean that one year that we had them and no one else did it was just in, insane it was, it was we call it our 75 percent year because three out of every four flocks that came by came in and we were done oh. it was just that it was like when bigfoots i remember when bigfoots first came around you know back in the 80s you know cecil lindstrom he had the first 42 decoys, 42 Bigfoots in that Lexington area. And it was just insane the amount of birds that they shot. And it just all those cool things. But the same way, too, you know, the first big spread of dive bombs. And, and it's just, it's cool to have that, right? You feel yeah. like you're, power, you're powerful oh, yeah. for a little moment. And then it's like a year later, like, oh, now everybody's caught up. So it's <laughs> always different, yeah, right? It's always different. And that's why you're always tinkering. But yeah, to, the affordability for a Again, again, a kid with eight hundred dollars worth of calls around their neck in a in a yep. in a marsh, and and now you got a K 
a 13 year old mowing along with 25 dozen. Yeah. Bingo. God, I, I mean, you, you can't afford a new that. chain on your bike, but man, we're, we're going to have a, a sweet lanyard and a six bread. Well, that kid's set for life though. That's I mean, right. He's just That's good. True. I mean, he'll never do drugs and yeah, he won't have money to do drugs. <laughs> he'll, burn through, he'll burn through girlfriends, but yeah, that's right. You know, he'll never have a constant relationship again in his life. But yeah, other than that, you'll have a great deal can decoy spread. Oh gosh. Which I think is high on the list. Yeah, but... it really is. It really is. <laughs> it is. It is. It's all right. Oh, it's fine. Man. Well, well, Doug, I, I can't thank you enough, man. This has been so awesome, and I honestly, I can't wait to go back and listen two or three times to everything we've talked about today because I just feel like there's so much in-between-the-line stuff that, that we covered or, or danced around, and, and I feel like, um, man, I, I really got my money's worth out of you today. So, so thanks oh, for taking no. the time to talk to me. Yeah, no, it's fun. I love talking about it and love I – love, I, yeah, I love – and I, yeah, I think I just really love it. I love all of it. And, and I think you can tell that I love, I love everything from hearing the old timers tell stories to innovations, to the small stuff, to the big stuff and, and every, there's just not anything that, I, yeah, that's not part of it. That's really cool. And well, and if, and of course that comes through with my photography because that's, if you love all of it, it's easy to take photos of, you know, and yeah. I, I don't, I don't think I could sum that. it up any better. Honestly, yeah. I think you, you, you I just, you just did all the work for me. So thank you yeah. for that too. Uh, yeah. man, well, thank you. Well, thank you yeah. so much. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to chat and, uh, man, I, I can't wait until we actually get share blind together or, you know, go yeah. fishing. You know, we talk about it, but we, uh, oh. Heck, I, I feel like if you just drive your, uh, you know, two and a half hours one direction and I'll drive my two and a half hours the other direction, we're going to be pretty close. So maybe we can make it happen yes. one of these days. Yes. Let's go hunt some public ground out of Ogallala. There yeah, you go. I mean, there you go. And not shoot a thing. Thanks. We still have a ball. That's fine. But but remember, we got to we got to pull the cameras out. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. I know we will. I'll, take, I'll try to take more than six frames tomorrow. There you time. go. I can't wait to hear how it goes. Well, yeah. folks, we uh, we appreciate you listening. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, it's been just a pleasure getting to sit down and, and talk with Doug Steinke. Um And this is just awesome. Like I said, yeah. take the time, go back, listen to this a few times, and take notes. If there's something that, that we said that was over your head, take notes. Google is great for that. Uh, and, and, you know, try to pick yeah. out some of this stuff because, you know, Doug, I feel like some of the stuff that you shared as far as photography knowledge, you know, it came out quickly, but man, there's some, some really, really good stuff in there. Yeah. No, it's just, it's all part of it. And you have fun with your one-year-old. I will. I was just, I don't I was know just if you thinking... can hear him, but, uh, he's, oh, he's, he's having a great time here in the hallway out here. He's ready to hang out with dad. That's so when I had my first, I'll quick run. I'll begin. I had a, my, uh, 22 year old kid when it was his first Christmas, it was our first year in our house. And we just, we spent like a thousand dollars to redo our wood floors and we got a real tree and the, the stand wasn't working. So I put a screw through the stand to make it stand up better. Right. And I had a screw that went all the way through the stand and into the floor. And I didn't like the way the tree was, so I moved it. And I had this huge scratch on our—I mean, our floors were not oh. done for two weeks. And I have this brand—I have this huge scratch on my floor, and I went crazy, just absolutely so mad and furious. And 
a buddy of mine said, dude, that's like the greatest thing ever. And I'm like, how can that be the greatest thing ever? And I said, that is the first full Christmas of your kid when he was one years old. I said, if you never sell the house, you'll always have that scratch. And we do. We still have that scratch underneath our piano. Wow. It's still there. So I hope you have a scratch. I hope you have a scratch with your with your one year old that you can always remember. But, yeah, I've, I've got a, I've got cool. a chip out of a uh, uh, about a 2002 uh, half breed, thanks to him already. So we're, <laughs> oh, we're that's it's, even it's accumulating. Yeah, that that one will be around my neck for a long time to come, and um, I'll, I'll always be able to think of him when I think of that one. Yeah, I have another story of my middle boy losing two acrylic calls in my backyard that I didn't oh. find. So, mm-hmm. oh man, well, one's the grounds, one's the grounds. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, you have an awesome Christmas. It was awesome seeing you. Yeah, I hope to see you again face to face. Yeah. Now that COVID's over, they'll have fly fishing festivals. Oh, that's again. right. We can we can be friends again. I, yeah. I forgot. Yeah. Now I'll, I'll, now I'll see you out in February. That's least, right. Yeah. So. <laughs> Perfect. Awesome, buddy. Well, thanks again, and yeah. thanks to everybody for tuning in. Uh, hope you catch us on the next time here with the Die Bomb Squadcast. Thank you for listening to the Die Bomb Squadcast.